Hi everyone, welcome to After Dark Analysis. Today's Why Is This a Thing is going to be on the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley is a hypothesized relationship between the degree of which an object looks like a human being and how we emotionally respond to it. In this hypothesis, there is a prediction that an entity that is appearing closer and closer to human may elicit a very cold and eerie reaction, i.e. fear or feeling creepy. Since robotics is becoming more and more of a part of our lives every day, this might seem like a fairly new concept, but it was actually first identified by robotics professor Masahiro Mori in 1970. But the term uncanny valley was not coined until 1978 in the book Robotics, Fact, Fiction, and Prediction by Jesse A. Reichert. Both Mori and Reichert's work unintentionally linked to Ernst Gentsch's work from the 1906 essay on the psychology of the uncanny. But their work was not limited to objects, it was experiences and things that go on in our lives that seem strangely familiar, but aren't necessarily mysterious. A concept that Sigmund Freud elaborated on in 1919, entitled the uncanny or das unheimlich. For Freud, the uncanny was a mixture of the familiar and eerie, and he believes it's all to confront unconscious repressed impulses. Psychoanalytic theorist Jacques Lycan wrote that the, the uncanny places us in the field where we do not know how to distinguish bad and good pleasure from displeasure. As humans, we like things classified. We like them in boxes. So this is a very unnerving concept for us. But let's synthesize all of this into probably one of the more relatable examples, robotics. Moray's work originally hypothesized that the appearance of robots was going to get more and more human. It was going to make an actual human being responding to them very positive and empathetic. Unfortunately, the more humanistic the robot gets, it hits a point eventually where we're creeped out and repulsed by it. But then we go through this again and if it gets even more humanistic, we become positive to it again. To relate that to film, Chucky would be on the cute level when he first comes in as a good guy doll. Then he becomes eerie when he starts moving around and talking on his own. Because A, we know he shouldn't do that. And B, he is taking on more humanistic qualities. Specifically, humanistic qualities we are no longer comfortable with for that particular type of thing. But then we move back up and more of a positive response to, let's say, the replicants from Blade Runner, who are almost completely indistinguishable from humans to the point where we have the ending we do in Blade Runner. Hence the valley portion, because you can kind of see on a graph where this dips down, but it will come back up. So this isn't a permanent aversion to a humanistic looking object but is a temporary one while technology evolves. Now the question becomes, why? Why does this valley exist? Why are we creeped out? There's several different theories for this. The first is mate selection. Knowing we are not, we try and look for a mate with high fertility, high hormonal health, and an effective immune system. While robots technically are superior in all of these things because they don't have a fertility, hormonal, or immune system issue because they just don't have them. Since they can't really procreate with us, 
at least as far as almost any fictional universe has talked about. We know we cannot procreate with them, so therefore we dismiss them as a mate. And that is kind of an overgeneralization of we just get creeped out by them because we know they cannot reproduce like we do. The next issue is mortality. While most people that would probably be watching this video understand that they're going to die, it's not necessarily something people want to be reminded of all the time. This is also a big thing in just why horror in general works. There is a couple reasons reminding somebody of their own mortality works in this context. If we are seeing a robot disassembled, while we know they're not in pain because it's a robot, it probably doesn't feel pain, unless you're in a verse where they gave it emotions, but even then it's still debatable. Plays on a couple of our fears. First, it plays on an unconscious fear that we all might be completely soulless machines. And who am I? What am I? What's inside of me? What makes me go? which is a question most people have to ask themselves at some point, and that's a very scary territory. The second is robots in different dismantled positions or even dolls in different dismantled positions can be reminiscent of battlefields. Again, reminder of mortality, reminder of how fragile the human body is while resilient in some ways. We're flesh and bone and this android's gonna get put back together and probably be fine. Another reason is, as we talked about earlier, Blade Runner, these robots end up being kind of copies of actual people, so there is that doppelganger effect. And it elicits this fear of just being replaced at work or in your relationship or in your life. This idea came heavily into play in the 2009 film Surrogates. While yes, those people were kind of actively replacing themselves, there was this underlying issue of what if I do want to go out in the real world? and break the social norm. And the final kind of major reason for this is when we're dealing with robotics to a certain degree, especially if we're talking about them in a dismantling or defective scenario, the motions can be very jerky, almost like a pop and lock thing, but instead of them dancing, that's just how they move. And that can remind us of how fragile our bodies are and how we can completely lose control of our bodies really at any time, completely by chance through disease, accidents, and loss of bodily control is unfortunately a byproduct of aging, which we're all going to have to experience. Speaking of the deterioration of the human body, the next point is pathogen avoidance. Just like mate selection, our brain inherently tries to avoid things that could make us sick. So if there's a defect in the robot, it can indicate disease. While we as logical human beings might know full well that a robot just looking human does not mean they're in relation to us genetically, our hindbrain does not know that. Our back of mind, gut instinct, and reflexes sees something that looks like it's a human and automatically assumes, okay, it must be like me, therefore we can cross diseases with each other. So your body's knee-jerk response is going to be that you could theoretically get sick off of a robot. Well, in most universes, this doesn't happen. If we were in a universe like Existence, where the gaming machine was made out of organic matter, theoretically it could pass disease, and to an extent did. But again, our brain isn't necessarily gonna pull that out right away, creating this aversion to the uncanny. And with that perceived interconnectivity with humanity, there is gonna be a violation of social norms. If a robot 
is on this curve, it is a robot doing a passable job at being human, and that can be endearing, and we can be empathetic with that. If that robot becomes more humanistic down in the valley, it no longer to us is a robot. It is a human doing a bad job at being normal. As Critical Android and I spoke about on a previous episode about childhood fears, both of us had an issue with emergency alert systems where the inflection's off. So they tried to make this humanistic sounding voice, it didn't have to have a body for us to identify it as supposed to be human, but the inflections are wrong and the emphasis is wrong. Somebody's not speaking in a way that we find normal, which is off-putting, which adds that creep factor. And the religious and ethical questions raised by a humanoid robot lends to the creep factor we see in Uncanny Valley. If we see a human-like living robot, it challenges our entire idea of what it is to be human. It messes with that perception of human, non-human, that very quick categorization we can do, making this a lot more complicated. Part of that is also conditioning. Most folklore contains some kind of warning about making something too human. Look at the myth of the golem in Judaism. While its actions are in the hands of its creator, the golem has an absence of human empathy. So things go awry very quickly and tend to, both in the folklore and within film. So no matter how good the intentions were upon creation, the golem will go awry eventually hurting actual human beings. And that is a hard conditioning to fight because most folklore and most religions have some kind of story like this. Having grown up with the notion of humanoid thing can turn evil very quickly. How many sci-fi films have we seen with robot uprisings and them trying to take over and replace the human race by violence and force? Because again, lacking empathy. In 2009, tests were conducted on monkeys. Five monkeys were shown three different images. One was a 3D monkey face that was realistic. The other was a 3D monkey face that was unrealistic. And the last was an actual photograph of a monkey's face. The researchers used how long the monkeys stared at each image as an indication of aversion or interest. The one they stared at the least was the 3D rendering of the monkey's face. So the photograph of the actual monkey and the abstraction unrealistic monkey face were less objectionable to them. In 2011, another study was conducted by researchers at University of California, San Diego, in conjunction with California Institute for Telecommunications and Information Technology. They measured the subject's reactions to the uncanny valley with an MRI. The MRI showed the part of the brain that was most active when experiencing the uncanny valley was the parietal cortex, specifically the areas that connected with the brain's visual cortex. The problem was the brain was having issues fully computing and comprehending what the eyes were seeing. They were seeing a humanistic robot. The researchers have theorized that our brain unknowingly has certain expectations we expect to be met when looking at what we believe to be another human being. And if the look and the mannerisms aren't congruent, it will confuse us and create that sense of unease. 
with these studies on how our brain works and perceives things explains why a concept brought forward in the early 1900s is still completely effective and still creepy today. So what do you think? Have you ever experienced the uncanny valley? If so, what was it a reaction to? Leave your comments down below. As always, if you like what you're seeing, please hit like, comment, subscribe. If you don't like what you're seeing, please let me know. Thank you.